I don't really care what the floor does. You know, it's fun to talk about, to look at these early days, put together the whole body of work of, of what it is that's happening here. What's up, Candy Fam? My name is Nate, that's David, and this is the Talking Candy Podcast. Every week, we take a deep dive into the candy MLB NFT marketplace and give you an idea of what stood out the most to us and what we think you should know. And while David and I each have collections of our own, none of this is financial advice. Please do your own research. We are just here to have a good time. If these videos, if these podcasts are entertaining and useful in any way, a like and a subscribe go a long way to helping us grow. So. David, it's good to have you here. How you doing? Hey, Nate. It's good to be here. I always look forward to getting in here on Monday and recording. It's been a rough week as far as the MLB is concerned, mm-hmm. but it's still it's still a good time to be focused on candy. They've got a lot of exciting stuff happening, hopefully some stuff on the horizon for us real soon. Definitely. Still still excited to be here on, on the candy front. Definitely frustrated with the MLB as a whole right now. There are a lot of people to blame, uh, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So let's uh, let's start with with some some positives. Let's kick it off with some of the stuff that happened in the world of candy this week. So let's start with some of the more interesting things that we already tweeted out this week. So we had two more legendary sales. That brings us up to 10 total. So we saw Tristan Cassis of Boston and Nolan Gorman from the St. Louis Cardinals. Both of those went this week, 5750 and 4800. That puts them in the category with a the majority of these that are selling in the kind of 4 to 7 range over the mm-hmm. last few weeks. Obviously, we had Otani, Arenado as the the two bigger ones, obviously in different categories, but Abrams set the tone early with 7.8000 and Cole also did 7, but a lot of these sitting in the, the same general area. Langoliers was by far the lowest, but cool to see that these are starting to trickle out, starting to find new homes, people that pulled them in $50 packs moving on. And uh, at the same time, I think some people are getting good deals on these one-on-ones. I agree on both accounts. If you, if you pulled a legendary from a $50 pack, there's really no bad point to exit. You're gonna be pretty happy with what you got. Personally, I still think they're worth more. I pulled a legendary myself, and you won't see me listing it quite that low uh, unless I hit some very dire times. Mm-hmm. But I can understand the appeal of taking the profit. Uh, $6,000 is, is nothing to scoff at, and it does seem like it's a pretty good deal for the people getting in. Uh, as we discussed last week, you know, $6,000, that's about six packs if you could guarantee a legendary pull from six packs, you'd take it. Yep. And so that's one way that I like to look at these prices. And that's why they don't make as much sense to me. But they make sense to both the person who pulled it from a $50 pack and the person who didn't have to buy 200 packs at $1,000 a piece Definitely. to get their legendary. Yep. Exit is only as relevant as the entry, and that's why these transactions work on both sides of the equation. So we also, we know who who had that Cassis card, so I won't call him out by name, but congratulations. <laughs> nice, nice little sale. So we also saw three epics go for 
what I would consider, what you would consider very affordable prices this week. Mm -hmm. uh, Tim Anderson, 16 of 30, went for $1,000. The Jermaine Marquez, one of 30, went for 700, which was less than a 2X on, on what his epics had been selling for. And a Mark Melanson epic, nine of 30, went for $210. And $210 just doesn't make sense for any epic, in my opinion. So these are all, you know, a day or two removed from that CBA announcement, I believe. And so these are the kinds of opportunities that we're seeing now, where there are some people that have taken this as bad news and a reason to separate themselves from some of the cards they hold. And other people are scooping those deals up and looking at this as an opportunity. Right, and uh, you could see it go either way. For the people who are taking the money now, uh, it's very possible that we're going to see enough of a dip as a result of this lack of baseball that uh, you know within a week's time, they'll get access to the funds from that sale, and they might be able to reinvest it in cheaper things and come out ahead long term. Absolutely. Uh, but Absolutely. I could see I can see that train of thought. Sorry, were you going to say one more thing there? Well, I was just going to say, uh, but that's a calculated risk that they might be taking. If the prices don't dip for very long, then they might miss that opportunity. They might just be exiting at too low a price for those epics, uh, especially that, that Tim Anderson with that Field of Dreams clip associated with it, with the, that purple epic layout. $1,000 for that, I, I think, is going to be on the low end long term. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think it was by far on the low end for what has sold so far. But maybe we'll pull that up in a little bit. Besides that, we also had two significant discounts on some Vlad Guerrero Juniors, one rare, one epic. The, the rare went at a 10% discount compared to its prior three sales. The epic went at a 36% discount compared to its prior three. Mm -hmm. So the epics had been going for an average of just over 7,000 leading up to that sale. And that one went for 4,500, making it look like an extremely good entry point. Um, but yeah, the, again, you know, going off of those three epics, just a couple more cards of one person went one route with the news and somebody else went another route. Um, mm -hmm. So I really like looking at the previous three sales too. That, that's a good way to look at it. As long as those sales weren't from like the one of or the perfect mint or the Jersey mint, as long as you're avoiding those outliers, I think that's a good metric to use. And, and I think that just underscores what a deal it was that you can look at those averages and it still comes out well below. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like you can look at listings for a floor, whether it be NFTs or baseball cards on eBay, but listings do not tell the story. You need to sell, see what people uh, are actually paying for it. Listings only tell the, the availability story. So mm -hmm. that's how I like to look at it personally. Yeah, so we've, we also got some alpha from Muntner and I, I screenshotted it and tweeted it out but basically stating that lockout or no lockout, Candy will have packs to release. And I was unsure of that. I, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't know what the, what the rules were. I don't know what their contract states. I don't know the intricacies of that. So I think we were all wondering, you know, is there going to be any type of MLB product even if we have an extended lockout? And it seems to have been confirmed that, that we will, which is really exciting. 
Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what that product is going to be. It, it might not be a 2022 MLB product because that might be something that's hidden behind that agreement. But if they have something else in mind, we can only speculate. But I'd love it if it was maybe some historic MLB moments or something else they've got in the pipeline that they've been working on in addition to whatever their plans for a 2022 MLB product was going to be. Yeah, and we'll see how quickly they can get that ready. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see how they react to a difficult situation. I think we'll learn mm -hmm. a lot uh, in a lot of different ways. So hopefully that's something that that is not too far off and that we can look forward to in the near future. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I wanted to pull up here was good buddy of mine, uh, Devin DHUDS92. I've told this story a couple times, but back in October when the packs came out, it was myself, my brother, and two friends, and Devin was one of those friends, and he was the one of the four of us that only managed to get one pack, and he watched the rest of us get pack after pack, and it was a heartbreaking day for Devin. And the other day, he decided to roll the dice on, on one of these packs that have dipped down a little bit lower, and he hit, he hit in a big way, pulling a rare Mike Trout, and it got a lot of love on Twitter, and yeah, I just wanted to call that out because it was a, it was a pretty exciting day. And anytime you, you get that type of win with these cards, I mean, that's, that's one of the holy grails of, of a safe mm -hmm. card to have in this candy project. Yeah, that's a, a great hit. And congratulations to Devin for that pull. Just taking the risk there on that $1,000 pack. And it, it paid off. Mm -hmm. And that's not something you can say about every pack. But it's nice to see it when it hits. Yep. Absolutely. All right, so let's uh, let's take a look at the the biggest movers. You want to start with the weekly movers for the All Stars? Uh, yeah, let's let's pull that up and see uh, who sold the most this week, uh, where those sales occurred. All right, got and, that pulled uh, up. The first thing we'll look at is just that overall column in the middle there, and uh, on top this week we have Juan Soto uh, moving thirteen sales across the four rarities. Behind him, JT Romuto, Buster Posey, Corbin Burns, Jose Ramirez, down the list. Uh, they all had good weeks, and that's that's important. In, in a week that we just saw that's been kind of a down week where the, the prices have continued to dip, and you, you would expect them to given the lack of baseball, uh, but they still had, they still had good movement uh, across all four rarities. They, they moved a lot. And I think that's uh, a very good thing to look at when you're looking at these these players that just kind of intrinsically hold value for people, that they're still able to make sales in these times. Yeah, going off uh, our last couple of points there, with, with the increase of people deciding to sell cards, we're also seeing the, the other side of that coin where people are still willing to buy these especially some of these bigger names. And it's good to see that it's still a healthy market. It's still a moving market. We've got, it's not everybody panicking and selling. It's just as many people happy to pick those sales up. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, when you look at some of those other columns, you see that, you know, most of Real Mudos and Jose Ramirez's sales, those came from those cores. So they didn't move too many uncommons or above. Um, but then Carlos Correa, Brandon Woodruff, German Marquez, Gregory Soto, they all sold four on commons. That's a pretty healthy number. 
of uncommons to sell. Rare sales, um, not a whole lot, but Shane Bieber moving three, Aaron Judge with two, DeGrom with two, Correa with two. These are big names that are still still making these sales happen at the higher tiers. Uh, but the one that stands out is four epics in a single week being moved by Juan Soto. And, and that's impressive and, and a bit surprising at this point to still see four epics for one player getting sold within a week. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty crazy number. That puts Soto at 14 epic sales, I believe, out of 30. And I think that we just confirmed that none of those were, were duplicates. So with five still remaining in packs, that puts us down to a very, very small number of individual human beings that have to make a decision whether or not they're going to list that card. And if they're going to list it, are they going to put it at the floor? Probably not, as we have seen. So the number mm-hmm. of opportunities to, to pick up cards like an Epic Soto are going to get fewer and farther between. And I think that that explains why the most recent Epic Soto went for a little bit more because when you've got such a low volume, the floor and the recent sales, they give you an idea, but as the opportunities get smaller, the ability to wait out a particular price shrinks as well. So mm-hmm. having to jump in there and, and grab a car like that for say 7,000 instead of 6,000 is maybe just what has to be done in order to get something with as low a volume as that card has. Exactly. And we're going to see that more and more because a lot of these epic sales, a lot of these rare sales, these are permanent moves of these cards from a seller's hands into a long-term collector's hands. Some of them will be listed again. Most of those will be for more than they paid. But some of them are just off the market for good, particularly at that epic tier. And and we'll see what the availability for someone like Soto looks like moving forward. Now, Soto still hasn't sold the most out of all the, the players in terms of their epics, but he's close now. Uh, he gained a lot of ground this week. I'm going to pull up Soto's uh, Serial Chaser real quick here because I think that it, well, I think it's interesting. Uh, the What I was just speaking to there, the, the most recent one, Serial 6, went for 69.50. And as you can see, the three before that went for 58, 55, and 5,000. So mm-hmm. a decent little premium there. Cool to see an uptick on something. But then to the point you were just making, these two in the, in the very beginning, opening weekend, we saw Serial 30 of 30 go for $12, and we saw Serial 2 of 30 go for $500. Neither mm-hmm. one of these cards have been flipped. And with that entry point, nobody would blame anybody for flipping either one of those cards at this point. Mm-hmm. So that if, if those two are not being flipped, if those two have been taken off of the market, that just further drives home the point that with 14 sales out of 30 and five still in packs, it's just going to be tougher and tougher to get your hands on a card like this. So just wanted to show that that data as well. Mm-hmm. And of the epics listed, four of them are listed around 50,000 or higher. So they're not being listed by people who are in any rush to, to make that sale. So most of the ones on the market, um, someone would have to stretch to, to pay for 
um, versus the prices we've seen it at. The cheapest as of right now is seventy eight hundred. So that is in line with the seven thousand that we saw a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. But for someone who wants an Epic Soto, there's just no guarantee that they're going to see one at five thousand moving forward. They just might not get that low again, depending on the intentions of of those who are holding them. Agreed. All right, let's jump back to the. Uh, did you want to do anything more on the weekly movers, or do you want to show the all time all stars? Uh, let's move over to the all time and just see where those standings have changed since last week. All right, and there you go, Soto showing up in blue. Mm-hmm. Right. If you look at just the the epic column, uh, you'll see that Soto wasn't even on the list at the top of the list before. But those four sales uh, pushed him up into third place all time for number of epics sold. Uh, pushed Hendricks, Machado, and Bueller down a, a peg. But you can see some movement on the other tiers as well. Uh, Degrom on rares gained a position on Nelson Cruz. Acuna uh, knocked Kikuchi down a spot for the rares. Uh, on the uncommon list, Posey bumped Aaron Judge down a spot, and Juan Soto made several uncommon sales this week as well. So he pushed himself onto that top six listing for the uncommon sales. Corbin Burns gained a couple spots in terms of his cores. Um, And, you know, we saw that Corbin Burns had sold seven cores this past week. And so that pushed him ahead of Otani and Devers. And on the overall list, you know, just some of those same moves reflected there. Soto pushed his way into second, closing the gap on Kikuchi there. He actually gained uh, nine on Kikuchi, making 13 sales to Kikuchi's four this week. And so another month like that, and he could actually be jogging for that top spot overall. Yeah, uh, interesting list here. And yeah, just to clarify what we had stated in the beginning there, the the blue names are guys that were not on the list at all. And then you can see the the pluses and minuses in terms of the the movement on the overall list. But yeah, cool to see Soto moving up and personally cool to see Corbin Burns moving up. I think that's a guy that is being slept on in terms of the the overall value, the overall hierarchy in the All-Stars, somebody that I've got a few of. So yeah. I like Buster Posey myself. Seeing him gain some ground on the uncommons is always a welcome sight. I'm hoping with a few good weeks, he could push his way onto the overall list as well. And I'm excited to see how long it's going to take for someone to to knock Kikuchi out of that top spot. It's going to happen eventually. All right, let's take a look at the, the weekly movers for the prospects. Yeah, uh, we saw some good, some good movement with the prospects as well. Uh, actually, a little bit less than we saw them sell a week ago. Uh, but still a lot of them in double digits with their overall sales. Uh, Jason Dominguez took the top spot this week with 12. And he actually did that on the back of four cores, four uncommons, and four rares. So he spread those sales out uh, to make that even 12 there. But just behind him, Josh Junk had an incredible week with most of his sales coming from cores. Uh, Brennan Davis, Nolan Gorman... Price and Stott rounding out those double-digit sales. And we actually, you know, saw the the prospects kind of hold their ground this week. 
most of their prices stayed about the same, some dips, but the sales were good and the prices held pretty steady, which is more than we can say for a lot of the All-Stars this past week. And so there was some, some good numbers being put out by them. Yeah, and the the, Doming- the four Dominguez rares, those were interesting ones. We saw some decent deals happening there, um, but that's a, a pretty pretty high number, pretty high volume for, for a rare. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you can compare it to the epics. We didn't have anybody move more than a single epic. So still something that I need to dive a little bit deeper into, admittedly. But good to have the good to have the basic data here laid out. And pull up the, the all-time movers for the prospects. There wasn't as many big moves with the prospects compared to to those all-star moves that we just saw. Uh, but Bobby Witt Jr took a spot on Marco Luciano on the core list. Jason Dominguez moving his way up the core list. Nick Gonzalez, Adley Rutschman, Brendan Davis all had some games on the uncommon list. Nolan Gorman, Marco Luciano moved up some spots on the rare list. Marco Luciano pushing himself onto that onto that list. And Epics stayed stayed the same. Some of them notched an extra an extra one, but it didn't affect the overall placements and many of the overall listings stay the same as well. Julio Rodriguez still on top. The entire top five overall remained unchanged. But below them, we saw Jason Dominguez gain a couple spots because uh, he was below both Moreno and Abrams last week. So he pushed himself up uh, two spots. And then uh, Yolki Cespedes cracking the list himself after having a pretty good week. Yeah, some some new blue names just working their way onto the bottom of some of these lists. Let's let's pull up the the floor prices. I'll pull it up on serial 1. Do you have numbers on the the percentage movement? Uh yes. So the All-Star floor, we actually saw a drop of about 10% this past week. Pretty significant. A week ago when we took our data it cost around 9400 to pick up the cheapest of every all-star core and when we collected our information this week it was closer to 84 8500 so a drop of of 950 you know representing a 10% drop on those all-stars and that's not too surprising you know it's it's hard to it's hard to have an excitement about a baseball nft product without baseball Mm -hmm. those two are going to go hand in hand but that is why i mentioned the the prospects kind of holding their ground this week because their floor barely moved at all you know from 2316 to 2258 again at the time that we took our took our snapshots yep Uh, 2170 right this moment but still you know okay so it's it's down a little bit from splitting hairs yeah Right, but just just a marginal, you know, sixty dollar drop from one week to the next, you know, two and a half percent. So comparatively, uh, the prospects had a pretty good week, and there were just more prospects in general who actually saw an increase during what was otherwise a a down week. And I think that it's an interesting thing, and maybe some slight commentary on the intelligence of baseball fans because. 
triple a ball is still going to be played and that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that all of these guys are going to play because as you've mentioned in the past some of them already have big league contracts which would deem them ineligible but mm-hmm. i threw on my worcester red Sox hat for for this episode <laughs> because i'm looking forward to the baseball that i will be able to watch in hopefully not so distant future but yeah the there's definitely a little bit of extra excitement around the prospects because they're guys that we could actually see play guys that we could see their values changed given how they start the season out so Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh nice to see that 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 floor held a little bit more steady but again i don't really care what the floor does it's (laughs) you know it's it's fun to talk about and it's fun to look Mm -hmm. at because it's educational and it's there's value in that but i I don't care if the all-star floor is 7500 next week it'll just mean Mm -hmm. that there are more opportunities for for good purchases the reality is that those of us who are putting in the hours required to make a podcast about candy are not worried about the floor moving by a thousand dollars we are still very excited about this project and it's just interesting to to look at these early days and and all of it to to put together the whole body of work of of what it is that's happening here right and once things get clicking you know once we have baseball once we have a season you know, week in and week out, seeing seeing these players that we own NFTs of, seeing them hit home runs, steal bases, you know, pitch shutouts, you know, that's going to give us that much more of an investment into these NFTs to see them putting those results in. And, and the reality is, you know, once we get to August, September down the stretch here and we're all excited about baseball with the playoffs right around the corner, they're going to be worth what they're going to be worth then regardless of how long it took them to to take off at the beginning of the year. And so if if baseball takes its time to get started and if people want to leave the project now, then we'll be sorry to see them go, but we know where the project is going. We have confidence in that regardless. Absolutely. And so now I don't care where the floor is, but <laughs> I'm not happy with why the floor is moving and mm. you know we we were all fearing it and we were all pretty sure that it it wasn't going to get sorted out in time i mean maybe we all held out a little bit of hope but the cba did not get signed and both parties walked away and there have been minimal talks since and it's really just mm. a sad time for the game of baseball it's a sad time for the mlb and like I said at the top, there's a lot of people to blame. I think that I think Rob Manfred is a horrible commissioner. He should be ashamed of himself. His job should be to promote the health of the game of baseball. For him to mm-hmm. stand up there at that press conference with a smile on his face, it should have been it should have been a somber day. It should have been a somber moment from front to back. Mm-hmm. And for him to not have the the wherewithal to understand the magnitude of that moment and how poorly it would reflect for him to have a smile on his face at any point. But it's not just him, it's it's the owners, it's the greed of the owners. You know, I side with the players more than the owners, but the players are doing fine as well. The fans mm-hmm. are to blame in a way because no matter when baseball comes back, we're all going to eat it up and I'm part of the fans. <laughs> so we're part of the we're part of the problem too because there is an elasticity here in terms of what we will tolerate and it's significant 
because we love baseball. And when baseball comes back, whatever they give us, we're going to take it. Just like we took the 60 game season a few years ago and we mm -hmm. can hem and we can haw and we can be upset. And I can talk about how much distaste I have for Manfred. But at the end of the day, as soon as baseball's on the field, I'm going to be eating it up. I'm going to be pay paying for tickets. I'm going to be paying for beers. And <laughs> so we are part of the problem as well. It's just really upsetting that that this is the the ugly business side of baseball and mm -hmm. and sports in general and it's frustrating. It's frustrating as a fan of the game, it's frustrating in terms of candy and it just stinks. And I like what you said that the commissioner should be representing the health of baseball as a whole. And that hasn't been what we're seeing. Uh, instead, the commissioner seems to report to the owners almost like a CEO reporting to shareholders, you know, keeping shareholders happy. And that might be good for their bottom line, but that's not necessarily the best thing for the sport, for, you know, for the sport to stay healthy moving forward. And the fans will put up with a lot, but it is true that baseball has a lot fewer younger fans compared to other sports. And... So that can only carry you so far into the future. You need fan bases to be generational. You need to give, you know, adults a reason to have their kids be excited about baseball too. Because once you cut that out, once you remove that chain from one generation to the next, then it's only a matter of time. Yeah, it's uh that is the that's by far the most damaging part of this in my opinion. The the people like you and I, who are already diehard baseball fans, we're not going anywhere. So mm -hmm. we'll get dragged through the mud along with the game. <laughs> but it's those young fans, it's those young kids that are deciding between baseball, football, basketball, video games, being a YouTuber, Netflix. Like the choices are endless now for entertainment. Mm -hmm. whether it be sports, esports, or any other type of activity, it's just entirely different than when we were kids. And it's being ignored. It's, it was ignored in the pandemic season. It's being ignored mm -hmm. right now. And, and it's clear that Manfred doesn't care. It's clear that the owners don't care. And it's unfortunate that the players are in a position where in order for them to not get screwed by the business side of it, that it does become this what looks like billionaires versus millionaires and it's just it's just ugly it's just really mm -hmm. ugly and it's unfortunate that in a time where there are real problems in the world much much bigger problems that we can't have this escape that that is baseball uh, at a time mm -hmm. where we would really appreciate to have it yeah all we can do at this point is settle in it might be a while and just kind of get ready for for minor league ball yeah. and hope that that can fill the gap in the meantime. Start learning the names on those AAA rosters. <laughs> well, um, the Uncut Diamonds has definitely helped with that uh, for those who are not um, prohibited from playing baseball at this point. And I'll, I'll learn even more about these minor league clubs and give us something to look at while we wait Yeah. for... MLB to return. Definitely, definitely. So I actually, I wanted to, now that we got those rants 
over and done with. <laughs> I wanted to actually pull up the packs because I think that the packs are an interesting part of this whole equation. Mm -hmm. um, let me... So really as of today, we have finally seen packs dip below $1,000 with some consistency. Mm -hmm. And so it was at, yeah, it was at 11, 11.40 a.m. today, assuming that these stamps are correct, which obviously you always have to take this stuff with a grain of salt. But we have now seen a dozen packs sell for under $1,000 since right around midday today. 998, mm -hmm. 98, 90, 80, 75, 80, 85, 99, 65, 77, 79, and 60. So these packs are by far one of the most interesting parts of this project. The the legend of the all-star pack starting at $50, <laughs> instantly capable of being sold for $500 on opening weekend, mm -hmm. crept its way up to about six, 700. And, and then it just was off to the races that following week, pushing all the way up to 1400 at its peak. I think around 1450 is where we kind of saw it top out. And mm -hmm. now we have seen it slowly come trickling back down where over the last week or so, two weeks, there have been a, you know, there have been a snapshot in time, a day in time where it seems to happen all at once, where we go from 1350 down to 1250 and then a few days later down to 150. And now this is, this has been a significant day because there's an emotional element attached to numbers, whether we realize it or not. And I think that's one of the, the cool parts about NFTs and alternative investments and things like that. It doesn't all make sense. It doesn't all have to make sense. Some of it is just human behavior. And this $1,000 mark, same as it's been relevant for the Otani and Trout cores, mm -hmm. I think is going to be a really interesting number to see. Is this where the packs hold? Or will there be enough listings that drive it down to 900, 850? And then at that point, I think all bets are off. Do I think mm -hmm. we ever see them go below five or 600? No, but where they could end up from here, your guess is as good as mine. I think that if we push far enough below a thousand dollars that we'll see, we'll see what people decide to do with them. Right. Um, I, I agree. I think there is that mental, you know, that mental kind of tendency towards round numbers and when you're selling at 980, 985, 990, you still feel like you're selling for a thousand dollars. But once you get below 950, 940, now you've distanced yourself away from that number enough that it can become easier and easier to undercut in larger chunks, to kind of distance yourself from the other listings if you are trying to move your pack quickly. Uh, now I don't have any packs to move. I couldn't help myself. I opened them all. and <laughs> I wish I could afford some more, especially at the prices we're seeing right now. But uh, I think there is that, as you said, there is that mental association with those round numbers. And that they kind of gravitate towards themselves. Yeah. And we, the, the narrative around these packs for a while had been Vlad, Tatis, and Trout one of ones. And we saw the Vlad get pulled. So that cuts out one of the three, which is significant. But there are still plenty of other good cards to be pulled. There's still an abnormally large volume 
of epic trouts and and there's still those two big one of ones not to mention there are plenty of other desirable one to one one of ones to mm-hmm. be pulled yet to be pulled and so yeah it's we we had tied it to that for a while but nothing too significant has been pulled in the meantime so this dip is is tied to the CBA it's tied to the the entire dip but it was the last thing to go because it was mm-hmm. it was holding steady for a while there while everything else was was slowly tapering off so i found that to be an interesting shift that that occurred today and it is a bit curious because if someone was going to open a pack you'd imagine that they would have done so by now and if someone was committed to selling a pack i'd be curious to know why they waited this long to start pricing so far below the floor of other packs yeah it would be interesting to see what the the cost was of each pack attached to it because Mm -hmm. it runs such a wide insane variety unlike many of the the player cards uh which is a little bit more of a a focused conversation you've got Mm -hmm. some of these packs i'm sure were purchased for 50 and i'm sure some of them were purchased for 1400 as well so Mm -hmm. some of them are still an insane gain and others are the unfortunate reality of of buying the peak sometimes so yeah just wanted to touch on that for a little bit Mm -hmm. um let's see what else what else was there anything else that that you wanted to talk specifically about baseball i was gonna i was gonna mention the sweet futures I feel like we've covered baseball pretty thoroughly. Uh, it's been another down week. We know why that is. Uh, we've got more down weeks ahead of us at the current rate. Uh, I think eventually we're going to reach a bottom, a point where the prices get low enough that some whale or some pot of whales is going to show up and just buy and hold the lot of everything you know, below a certain price threshold. We just haven't reached that yet. I, I feel like my collection's in good hands for the time being. I know many others who are the same. They've been just accumulating and accumulating, and we're in no rush. But until until we reach that point, I think we just need to settle in for the gentle decline. Yeah, and to that point, I think that we can all take a lesson from that. And I know that it's my mindset right now, which is that I'm still very interested in picking up more cards, but I'm going to be patient right now because mm. I have no confidence in the CBA being signed anytime soon. And it's a game of chicken to an extent because at any point that could flip and then the news, the narrative changes and then things change in terms of the, the floors. But right now I'm, I'm going to play a patience game and I'm going to pick my spots. But unfortunately, fortunately, obviously there's two sides to every coin, but I think that we're going to continue to go down and we're going to continue to see good buying opportunities. So if there's a silver lining, it's that, but let me, uh, let me shift over to the candy marketplace and let's go, let's take a look at these sweet futures. So these released today, the first batch of three sweet future basketball. These are college basketball players. We had Jalen Durant, uh, Jalen Duran. Blake Wesley and Bryce McGowan's. And these are really cool. I just think that the art on these is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be loud. Let me, let me see if I can, 
Let me pause that. All right. So yeah, I just, I pulled up the, the legendary. So the, the legendary one of ones, these are going at auction. The cores were, or are open mint. Those are still active. And then you've got epics and rares, but yeah, these legendary one of ones being bid on, on Bitski, pretty cool way to do that. A little bit different than, than baseball and just a cool new product. And I was not mm -hmm. super thrilled on the racing stuff just because I'm not a big racing fan. Not to say that I didn't think it was cool. I did pick one of them up, but I like basketball. I like college basketball. And I just think that the art, I think the graphics on these are, are really cool. I like what they did with them. Right. It's, it's got a neon vibe and uh, people have been quick to compare it to like a Space Jam type of vibe. But it's just, it's a really clean look, very vibrant on these, especially these legendaries. And I'm curious to see what direction these auctions are going to go. Uh, for this first week, uh, everyone seems to be value valuing Jalen Duren quite a bit higher than the other two. And so his auction is already up to just over 2000 And there's still a lot of time, you know, a little over three, almost three and a half days. And so we've got the McGowan's legendary with a bit of 400 and the Wesley legendary at only 250. But I'd be surprised if any of them finish below several thousand. And I mean, if they stayed in the, the sub thousand range, I mean, I'd certainly be tempted to pick up one of those legendaries myself at that price point. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that they will either. I think uh, with this auction type setup, you're going to see people come in late and uh, mm -hmm. and drive those prices up. So these will be very fun to watch and see where they go. The the cores, those are running for another three days. So I think it's Thursday night, right? Today's, yeah, today's Monday. So Thursday night, those will be open mint until. And then as you can see here, the, the Durin rares and epics are already sold out. The Wesley and McGowan's rare and epics are still available, although they are in the process of being purchased. So we'll see how long those, those last, but yeah, mm -hmm. these, we've got two more batches coming out. The next batch will be another batch of three followed by a third batch of two for a total of eight basketball players, eight college basketball players. So yeah, cool, cool art, cool videos, and another interesting product released by candy that figured we should just touch on it real quick, even though we usually stay on the diamond here. Yeah. Well, and it just goes to show you that Candy's putting out a quality product. The team they have developing these NFTs, these assets, they're good at what they do. And since they started releasing products with the Lou Gehrig drop last year, we've just been seeing them increase the quality on these NFTs. And even though it's not baseball related on this sweet future basketball drop, um, it has good it has good things to say about what could be on the horizon for baseball as well. It's just something to look forward to. Yeah, this gets me very excited to see what the visuals of, of the products will be going forward. I think we have only scraped the surface. I think they've got an incredibly talented team creative-wise. Obviously, we have a very positive opinion about the, the community-based employees and some of the mm -hmm. other, you know, I, I met employees from all different corners of the of the company in New York. So lots of talent, lots of excitement on what they're each individually working on. But yeah, this creative team is talented. I love these. I love these basketball cards and it makes me excited to see what we're going to get for baseball in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I got nothing else, David. 
I got nothing else. I think we did enough. We <laughs> could have done more, but I think we did enough. I think we did just the right amount. So mm -hmm. with that being said, my name is Nate. That's David. This is the Talking Candy Podcast. We appreciate you being here, and we will see you in the next one.